Thank you for listening to this podcast hosted by the Cambridge MBA. Everybody knows that Facebook is everywhere. And uh, even here in the Cambridge MBA, we've invested quite a lot of resources in terms of uh, building up the content on our Facebook page. So far, we have more than 15,000 likes. But is that, what does that really mean? And does that translate into more people applying to the Cambridge MBA? With me today are two research students at Cambridge Church Business School who've done a piece of research to give uh, some insights into that. So here we've got Joe and Jan. Um, first, your research suggested that when consumers see a brand having more likes on Facebook, it leads to more favorable brand comp- uh, impressions. Could you elaborate on why this is the case? Yes, absolutely, Conrad, and thank you very much for having us. Um, Really what we were intending to show is that when we process information, we do not process information in isolation. We process information in context. So really when we were processing information, for example, about the Facebook page and about our attitudes towards the Facebook page, when we see the amount of likes, that really already provides us an indication of how valuable that information might be for us, how valuable the Facebook page might be, and how valuable the brand that stands behind the Facebook page is. And the number of Facebook likes in itself is a really good indicator of the kind of social influence and the kind of validation that other people may provide about this brand, as well as providing us with a social norm. So what other people think about this uh, brand, about this Facebook page, can also tell us whether this is something that is generally accepted within society. Joe, can you tell us about how did you arrive at this conclusion? What did your research uh, take Absolutely. So we ran an experiment online on Mechanical Turk, um, which is like a platform for running um, market research or other kind of small tasks. Mm. Um, We used a a large US sample of several thousand people. And what we did is that we um, gave them a a situation where we said we created a fake brand um, called Ashwood Furnishings. And we said it was a British brand who were moving across to the US. And what we wanted people to do is to evaluate the Facebook page of this brand. Now, what we did from an experimental angle is we created 12 different versions of this Facebook page, all completely identical, except for the number of likes on each Facebook page. So they ranged from zero to the tens, to the hundreds, to the millions, uh, across 12 different groups. And then we measured the changes in perception across those different groups. So this was a completely fictitious company that you set up. Did the people uh, participating in this know that it was fictitious? I um, No, they didn't. So it was a task where we told them it was market research, and then we asked them to evaluate the one page that they would have seen. But then we added a bit of realism to the study in that what we tried to do is For those people who um, did decide they quite liked the page, um, they were sent an email um, where they could find out more about the um, the company once it had moved over to the US. And what we did is we measured the number of people who clicked through on the special link that we created to find out more about the company as another measurement of their intention to kind of engage with or buy from the company. And when they did that, they received a message saying, actually, thanks very much, but this is a fictitious research project. We really appreciate you engaging. Um, any problems, do get in touch. But So they would have found out at the end that it was a research project, but not before. I think what's really important to add to that as well is that every participant in our market research study only saw one Facebook page at a time. 
So they got the whole background information about Ashwood Furnishing, and then they just received one Facebook page as an example of how our current Facebook page looks like of the brand that we were allegedly evaluating. Um, so there really was no indication for participants to believe that this brand was fictitious. Um, on top of that, Amazon's Mechanical Turk is used quite frequently for market research type studies, uh, like the one that we uh, made our study made out to be. So you said that uh, you had 12 different kinds of pages uh, with different likes from zero all the way to a million. So did you come up, did you figure out that whether there was a sort of linear relationship or was there a point at, at, after which really it doesn't make any sense to have any more likes? Uh, what we found is that it does make sense to have more likes. You know, there's a very loose kind of linear relationship, but actually it's much steeper change early in the kind of numbers of likes. So basically people's um, perceptions and attitudes towards the brand and their intention to buy as measured from validated consumer research scales from the psychology literature um, showed that the difference between say zero likes to tens of likes, to hundreds of likes, to thousands, those are very steep changes. And then after about 10,000 or so likes, after, you know, in the tens of thousands range, then there's quite a significant dropping off of the increased effect of each extra like. So our overall findings would say something like, it's definitely worth getting up to the tens of thousands of likes, but beyond that, there's a very significant diminished returns, you know, as you go beyond that. Maybe to add to that, we did group the different Facebook pages and our results into three different broad categories. One category, which we called low amount of likes, which was 10,000 likes and less. Uh, one group that was about 10 to 100,000 likes and one group that goes into the millions. And as Joe mentioned previously, there was a very big difference within the kind of low group as you get to the higher levels. And that difference goes down as we go into higher numbers of likes. There is still quite a significant difference between the medium group between 10 and 100,000 and millions. Um, but the difference within millions, so whether a Facebook page has 1 million, 2 million, or 8 and 9 million, that was a very, very small difference. And if we think that that's actually a ninefold increase versus the previous increases that we were looking at, that might have been a lot smaller. But these smaller differences and smaller amount of likes were much more important. The thing about um, likes, I mean, as an as a individual, I can always just click and say, I like a brand. But that doesn't necessarily mean uh, that I'm going to buy that brand's products or, or use that services. So does, do you think it still makes sense in terms of uh, a brand investing in likes? Uh, what's the sort of bottom line in terms of people actually uh, going from likes to purchase behavior? I think in our study, we, we do have to acknowledge the limitation that it was a hypothetical study. So it wasn't a true field study where we could actually measure whether mm -hmm. participants bought different kinds of products from different brands. Uh, but we can make some suggestions. We can say that we used validated scales and these differences were quite significant if we think about the tiny thing that we did change and that was just a number on the Facebook page. Um, and the fact that people are quite used to doing market research studies on Amazon's Mechanical Turk. However, we do want to also point out that there's a difference between the kind of perception of a Facebook page and how we evaluate that Facebook page and the other thing that Facebook pages allow you to do, and that is reaching consumers. And obviously, when you have tens of millions of likes, you can reach a lot more people because these people will receive notifications based on you liking that uh, Facebook page. And that is something that is completely disconnected from the kind of perception of the Facebook page that we were investigating 
but we still think that there's a role for companies to invest uh, in higher numbers of likes in the millions because through that they can increase their reach. It took the Cambridge MBA pretty much like almost two years to get 15,000 likes. And when you talk about tens of millions of likes, that's just such a daunting uh, figure. So what can a small, smaller company with uh, more limited sort of marketing budgets uh, do in the face of this sort of herding instincts that you, that you talk about? Well, I think that essentially what we're asking people to do or, or what we're concluding from our results is actually the big changes are lower down the scale. You know, so really, actually, what every company should be trying to do is getting somewhere like the Cambridge MBA number of likes. You know, over 10,000 likes seems to matter a lot. So, but beyond that, what we would suggest is that you'd really have to make trade-offs about your other marketing activities. You know, it might well be worth spending time, energy, resources, getting up to the tens of thousands. But then beyond that, you might well be better off spending your money elsewhere. Um, so even for small companies, there are ways that you can engage on Facebook that would enable you to get to that kind of number of likes. It's not just about having a big marketing budget. You look at things like Twitter and you realize that the things that get retweeted, um, which is kind of another alternative to likes, are the kind of interesting comments, funny interactions, um, things that people find value in. So I would say that any small company could achieve kind of the numbers of likes that we think are meaningful. So lastly, how did you get started on this research? I think for us what was really important uh, as kind of experimental psychologists within a business school context is to take studies that occur in the laboratory and take them out in the field and see how they fare there. Because many times in the lab when we're really interested and we find relationships between one variable and another, we get really excited. When we go out and try them out in the field, we see that there's actually a third variable that might influence that relationship. And we're really interested in trying to figure out what could this third variable be or even fourth variable. And then this is something that we don't think about when we design our lab studies. It can, something, it can be something that really is, is, is completely extraneous to our theoretical reasoning. And what we then try to do is we try to take that field study and the kind of results that we get from the field study and translate them back into the laboratory. So this was the, the kind of motivation behind us seeking out collaborations uh, with partners in the industry and really doing this industry-led collaborations. And we, that's where we see the, the great power is we can also engage with organizations who have real problems and we can work with organizations, we can get feedback from the organizations, what challenges they face in their everyday, day-to-day -day context, as well as when we then do our research and we then provide them with some solutions, we get direct feedback from them, whether these solutions make sense, whether they resonate, and if we're lucky, if they try them out, we can then actually see whether the kind of suggestions we make actually also hold up in the field context. I think it's worth noting that this is just one collaboration that we've been involved in, but actually there's around seven or eight different organisations that we're working on with various projects. Um, most of my work is in financial services, so working with banks um, or other financial service providers, and some of the work is purely field experiments where we go in, we look at the challenges that the business have, I look at options where there's also an academically interesting question buried within their difficulty, and then we work together and run often very large-scale experiments, you know, using customers kind of in terms of the marketing messages they receive or in terms of some other kind of interaction they have with the company. And what I often find is that there's a real desire out there from companies for this kind of work because, you know, especially compared to 
agencies or compared to management consultants, obviously academia actually seem very cheap. But actually the level of rigour that you see out there in market research consultancies and others is very poor often. Um, so really what we're able to offer is a level of academic rigour along with flexibility and approach by being PhD students who you know, have flexible timetables. That's great. Thanks very much, uh, Joe and Jan, uh, for sharing with us your research. And I look forward to seeing the results of your six or seven other collaborations. <laughs> Thank you very much, Conrad, for your time. Thanks.